Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience, and today we bring you the story of the massive fight between Larry Bird and Dr. J, Julia Serving. The date was November 19, 1984. The place was the old Boston Garden. Now, this was still very early in the new season. The Boston Celtics were the defending NBA champions, having defeated the Lakers in seven games that previous June. The Celtics had returned all of the core members of the team, and they were ready to begin the defense of their title. Now, the Philadelphia 76ers had won the title the season before in 1983, when they demolished the Lakers in a four-game sweep to win the NBA Finals. So, on this night in Boston, we have the previous two NBA champions about to play an early season game, and it had playoff atmosphere. Each team wanted to send a message to the other. Back in the early 1980s, these two teams dominated the Eastern Conference. Here is a list of the Eastern Conference champions in order starting in 1980. 1980, the 76ers. 1981, the Celtics. 1982, the 76ers. 1983, the 76ers. 1984, the Boston Celtics. 1985, the Celtics. 1986, the Celtics. And 1987, the Boston Celtics. You see what I mean? These two teams dominated the East for most of the 1980s. Now, going into this particular game, the Celtics were 4-0 and the 76ers were 5-0. The starting lineup for the Celtics included Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Cedric Maxwell, and Larry Bird. Then they had Kevin McHale, ML Carr, and Quinn Buckner coming off the bench. That lineup includes four Hall of Fame players and a coach in Casey Jones, who was also in the Hall of Fame. The 76ers starters were Moses Malone, Maurice Cheeks, Clint Richardson, Mark Ivoroni, and of course, Julia Serving. And coming off the bench were Bobby Jones, Sedale Threat, and rookie sensation, Charles Barkley. For the 76ers, that was five Hall of Fame players and a coach in Billy Cunningham who was also in the Hall of Fame. So in case you lost count, that is 11 total Hall of Famers participating in this game. That is incredible when you go back and look at it. You also had two referees who were two of the most experienced and respected referees in the NBA, Jack Madden and Dick Bavetta. And yes, back in those days, the NBA only used two referees per game instead of three like they do today. 
That made refereeing tougher when they only had two guys trying to watch 10 players. It is so nice that they have three referees today. It makes a huge difference in seeing fouls that occur away from the ball. Anyway, going into this game, Larry Bird wanted to send a message to the 76ers. Now this is where the story differs a little bit. According to Robert Parrish, Larry Bird was talking trash the entire game. And honestly, nobody would challenge a story like that because Larry Bird was known for trying to get into the heads of his opponents. He was a master at trash talking the man guarding him and attempting to humiliate him. That is part of the charm of Larry Bird and his basketball heroics. However, according to Julius Irving, Larry Bird did not say that much, at least not much that he remembers. And Irving was the man assigned to guard Larry Bird that night. So his proximity to Larry Bird would give him the edge on being able to tell whether or not Bird was actually talking trash that night. But from what we all know about Larry Bird, I will bet that he was talking all kinds of trash that game. He did not care who was guarding him. If the defender was another legend like Dr. J, he would trash talk right to them. If it was a below average player, then Bird would often talk trash to the opposing coach for daring to put such an inferior defender on him. Larry Bird was hot that night. He was barely missing any of his shots. According to Parrish, Bird would take a shot and let Dr. J know that he was not able to guard Bird. Then Bird would shoot from even farther away and say something else to Dr. J. Then he would shoot from even farther away and say something else. If you are a defender, especially one that is respected as Julius Irving, this is something that could definitely get under somebody's skin. As for Julius Irving, he was having one of his worst shooting nights of his career. It got to the point in the third quarter where the Celtics were up by around 20, and the 76ers were looking for something to spark them. Remember, both teams were coming into the game undefeated, and they were the previous two NBA champions. Both teams had tons of pride. As the big moment approached, Bird went up for a floater that was blocked by Charles Barkley. However, the refs called goaltending, and Bird was awarded his 41st and 42nd points of the night. The game was still in the third quarter. The 76ers inbounded the ball and got it straight to Irving. He made a quick move to the lane and laid it up for just his fifth and sixth points of the game. Irving was only 3 for 13 that night and he also had his hands full trying to guard Larry Bird. And with Larry Bird's trash talking, things were coming to a head. After that basket by Irving, the Celtics inbounded the ball quickly and tried to get up court in a hurry. And when Irving made that basket, Larry Bird decided to sprint down court to see if he could get a quick fast break basket the other way. Well, Irving caught up to Bird and put a shoulder into him. Not so hard that it would knock Bird to the floor or anything, but more of a shoulder to send a message that Irving was about to heat up and pull the 76ers back into the game. As Irving was giving the shoulder, Bird hooked Irving by the arm and the two got tangled up. Irving swung his arm to get loose and in the process, Larry Bird fell hard to the floor. The referees blew their whistle to stop the game for a foul. And this is where things were about to go to another level. And this is a good place to take a break, and we will be right back with the rest of the story. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. 
At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row One catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row One Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the massive fight between Larry Bird and Julius Irving. As I mentioned before the break, the game was around 3 minutes left in the third quarter and Larry Bird was already sitting on 42 points as he was having one of his particularly hot shooting nights and he was doing it against a really good team. His defender that night was Julius Irving who only had 6 points on a terrible shooting performance. Now let's also keep in mind that Julius Irving was 34 years old at the time of the game. While he was still an all-star player, he did not have the same bounce that he had when he was in his prime. He was only two years away from his own retirement. On the other hand, Larry Bird was only 28 years old and the reigning MVP of the league. In fact, he would win his second MVP at the end of that same season and his third one the season after that. Bird was officially the best player in the NBA and he wanted everybody to know it, especially his defender Julius Irving. There was a changing of the guard and Bird was the new king of the NBA. So after the two players got tangled up, the game was stopped for a foul. Billy Cunningham, the coach of the 76ers, was yelling at the referees about Bird initiating the contact and that the foul should be called on Bird. While the referees read the scores table getting things straightened out, Bird confronted Irving. In video replay, it is hard to see exactly what brought on that moment where the two players placed hands on each other. In today's NBA, there is a separate camera dedicated to each of the 10 players on the court. In addition to the 10 or so cameras that are covering the entire game from a lot of different angles. In today's replay, they would have had a close-up on the action and maybe even some sound. From watching the available video, Larry Bird and Julius Irving suddenly had their hands on each other's throat. Well, now it was on. All of the other players started to jump in. The first two players to get there were Charles Barkley and Moses Malone, and they each grabbed Larry Bird from behind. Bird's hands were pinned to his side and Irving got four straight jabs at Bird's face. At one point in the melee, Moses Malone had Bird around the neck and they both fell down with Bird in a headlock. In an interview, Charles Barkley claims that he was just trying to break up the fight, but when you look at the video, it really does look like Barkley is holding Bird's arms so that Irving could get in a few licks. Barkley still claims that the $1,000 fine he received for his part was completely wrong and he is still upset about it. At this point, everyone was jumping in and back then there was no rule like today where the players on the bench have to stay on the bench. In today's NBA, when a fight breaks out, the players on the bench have to stay on the bench or else face possible suspensions. Now this is a rule that was put in after the famous malice at the palace between the Pistons and the Pacers. If a player from the bench even steps one foot onto the court, he could be suspended for leaving the bench area. This rule helps in keeping fights from escalating. But back in 1984, 
all bets were off. The entire roster of both teams came running onto the court to get in on the fight. At one point, ML Carr squared up on Moses Malone like two boxers feeling each other out at the start of round one. Carr threw a punch that glanced off of Malone's shoulder and then Carr quickly ran away. And I do not think there is any player in the NBA who truly wanted a piece of Moses Malone. Malone would have torn ML Carr apart. As Carr was running away, he ran into 76ers coach Billy Cunningham and then they started shoving each other. It seemed that everyone was pushing and shoving and the two referees did not really jump in, but rather they were taking notes on everything that was happening so that they could assign fouls correctly. Referee Dick Bavetta was interviewed about the fight years later and said that his philosophy was to do whatever he can to prevent a fight from even starting. However, once the fight started, he did not jump in. He just watched to see what happened in order to assign fouls correctly. After everybody was separated, Bird was still trying to go after Irving. Eventually, both teams retreated to their benches as Dick Bavetta and Jack Madden were trying to sort out the fouls. The Celtics trainer was checking on Celtics assistant coach Chris Ford, who got punched in the nose, but Ford waved him off. The referees pulled Casey Jones and Billy Cunningham together to let them know what was happening. The refs announced that both Larry Bird and Julius Irving were ejected from the game, and they both later received $7,500 fines for their action. Cunningham later said that he was impressed that the referees would eject Bird and Irving from the game. The NBA seems reluctant to eject their superstars from any game, and for good reason. The superstars are the ones that the people come to see. I mean, I'm not trying to be insulting or anything. If we're being honest, NBA fans do not buy tickets to see Mark Ivoroni or Quinn Buckner. They buy tickets to see Larry Bird and Dr. J but it was the right decision on the part of the refs. Bird and Irving needed to go. I mean, you can't throw punches at another player and then think you are still going to stay in the game. In the end, the big lead the Celtics had held up. The Celtics won the game 130 to 119. The Celtics improved their record to 5-0, while the 76ers left Boston with a record of 5-1. Later that season, the Celtics would make it back to the NBA Finals, but lost to the Lakers in six games. Even to this day, Larry Bird and Julius Irving do not care for each other. And I guess we know why. And if you want to see footage of the fight, just go to YouTube and search under Larry Bird, Julius Serving Fight. You will see a bunch of results about that fight. Well, that is it for our story today. Join us next time when we share a profile on the career of Muggsy Bogues, the shortest player to ever play in the NBA at 5'3 or 160 centimeters. Despite his small stature, he had a very successful 14-year NBA career. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, 
We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.